0: Now I'm on Amazon and Grubhub. Now I'm ordering. To... <laughs> We're is wearing you now quick.
1: <laughs> this is what separates you from every other co-host out there. I, is there another co-host out there that can record a podcast, shop on Amazon and make it and put in an order from Grubhub all at the same
0: time? I don't know anybody other than Darren Shavers. I don't think so. I, it's kind of a weird thing to, to be the champion in, but you know what? I'll take it. I don't <laughs> yeah. It's time for the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast.
1: Hey, welcome back, sports fans. We have less than 20 days till Christmas, so if you haven't got your shopping done, you better get that shopping done. If you order online, make sure you pay attention to delivery schedules so you don't wind up in a really awkward, embarrassing situation this year. That is our PSA that we have decided to lead
0: this episode with. And and you've now officially terrified me. So if at any point I look a little maybe zoned out or something, I'm shopping online cuz you now scare me to death and I've got to get stuff done. That's all. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I've seen that look you
1: give Darren when you are multitasking, you're you're recording a podcast while you are putting items into your Amazon cart. Exactly. So
0: you may see that look. <laughs> you're not as
1: subtle as you think you are, my friend.
0: I have no trouble believing that.
1: <laughs> Big lake breaking news. The four Heisman Trophy finalists have been announced. There's no surprise here, really. These guys have been mentioned in the discussion all year. Bo Nix from Oregon, Michael Penix from Washington, Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver from Ohio State, and of course the front runner, Jaden Daniels from LSU. Three quarterbacks, one wide receiver. Very, very talented group of guys. You could You can make a case that each one of them have had a great season, Darren, but I think Jaden Daniels is still the front runner. You look at his numbers, and Mm -hmm. I I think it's his. uh, I would be shocked if it is not.
0: His numbers make it an irrefutable uh, win for him, even with some of the other guys having an extra game. Their numbers still didn't do – or don't do what they need them to do to, to, to put them into that front runner place. There is no other option. It's going to be incredible if it ends up not being the case that you're talking about mind blowing. It will be, which I mean, Hey, we're kind of experiencing that this year. So, you know, who knows, but I, there's just, The first thing that went through my head when you said the four finalists, first thing went through my head was, You mean the winner and the three runner ups have been announced because there's just, there can't be any doubt who has won this. But I mean, we'll have to watch and see. But there's just his numbers are truly generational. I mean, we've used that word a couple of times and I don't think it's inaccurate. His numbers and what he has done for the team is truly generational.
1: And you brought up one extra game that the, uh, especially Bo Nix, Michael Penix had mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. over, Jaden Daniels, and a discussion that we will have in Louisiana for decades is what would have happened this year if LSU had had a decent defense. Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely.
1: We'll never know, but we'll nope. we'll talk about it in coffee shops and diners. <laughs> We'll talk about it while eating budan and gumbo, and oh yeah, all Little the, all the great stuff that we love crawfish étouffée. <laughs> yep, we'll talk yep. about it at crawfish boils. Let's just stop right now because my stomach is starting to grumble.
0: <laughs> now I'm on Amazon and Grubhub. Now I'm ordering. <laughs> This We're wearing why, me now quick.
1: This is what separates you from every other co-host out there. I, is there another co-host out there that can record a podcast, shop on Amazon, and make it and put in an order from Grubhub all at the same time? I don't know anybody other than Darren Shavers. I don't think so.
0: I, it's kind of a weird thing to to be the champion in, but you know what? I'll take it. I don't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, get me an order of bread pudding while you're doing that.
0: I, I'm in. I got it. Take you care of.
1: We also have news on the coaching front. As we've mentioned before, the coaching carousel continues. Darren, what's the latest news on that front?
0: Well, the biggest uh, changes are, are I guess, uh, the hires that have been made over the last week. There have been been about six six or seven hires actually some of them uh, have have happened over the weekend some of them have happened just in even the last tw- 24 hours uh Fran Brown who is the defense court, uh, defensive backs coach at Georgia you know how it is when you get a, when you find success people want to grab from that coaching tree so Fran Brown the Georgia defensive back coach is now the head coach at uh, Syracuse. Doesn't have any coordinator or head coach experience, but he's he's part of that coaching tree. So he's now at Syracuse as the head coach, replacing Dino Babers. Trent Bray, uh, who was the Oregon State defensive coordinator, is now the Oregon State uh, head coach. Uh, Kurt Signitti, who was at James Madison, is now the Indiana head coach. Uh, the Colorado offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, who uh, – is now at San Diego State, replacing Brady Hoke, who retired. Uh, and the Houston people got to be happy. Willie Fritz, now the head coach of uh, the Houston uh, football team. And Boy, they, they got a good one, didn't they? I, I tell you, they did. And, and I think the. the it's going to be an awesome offensive thing, but also I think the the culture and what it will look like under Willie Fritz people are, I I think this is going to be a really exciting thing for the people in Houston. We might need to make a trip down there next season. You know, it's not just a few hours away. Go catch a Willie Fritz game in the first season. Just a thought. It's
1: just down the road a piece.
0: It's not that far at all. Well, actually it's not that far time wise, but that road is, that's a bit much. It can be a long trip. (laughs) You spend some time out in the middle of nowhere when you're heading to Houston. But anyway, uh Spencer Danielson, uh, who was the interim head coach, is now the uh actual, the official, that title has been removed, head coach at Boise State, and Scotty Walden, uh, who was the Austin P head coach, and Austin P had a pretty good year this year, made it into the um made it into the playoffs in the FCS playoffs, and he is now the head coach at UTEP, the University of Texas El Paso. So the uh, the go round or the carousel still goes round and round, but a few people have gotten off and found permanent stops at least for now. That's usually the way the coaching carousel goes, but nonetheless a couple of people have found their stops and, and, and are excited about some new things happening and good for those fan bases. That's always a fun time when you have that new excitement or the excitement of a new head coach and what things are going to look like next season. So the traje- trajectory of Scotty Walden's career
1: is absolutely fascinating. From absolutely. one of the youngest coaches in the country at East Texas Baptist University to to going to, and, and being an offensive assistant at, at Southern Miss, to going to get that job at, at Austin P. and and now finally getting that that FBS Division One head coaching job at UTEP. He's a great coach, an incredible motivator, and I have no doubt he'll do great at UTEP.
0: And, and, you know, being there in Texas, uh, the type of recruiter he is, what a great place to be because, I mean, you just literally walk out the back back door and throw a golf ball and you land in the middle of incredible recruits. Texas is always known for that. So that is a – for him to have home field advantage in Texas – that can't help but pay dividends. It was a good, good move by Utah for sure.
1: Yeah, and I believe he played his college football at Division three Sol Ross State. Oh, yeah. So he's very familiar with the state. And uh, I think he'll do well uh, recruiting, coaching, all around. And, and also, let, let's talk about Houston. What, a, what an incredible hire. Houston oh, yeah. has a history of being somewhat of a dysfunctional program, mm-hmm. uh, thinking better of themselves than what they are. Yeah. <laughs> The Dana Holgerson hire proved to be a disaster, yeah, absolutely. and that's not been the first disastrous hire that Houston has made.
0: No. But
1: here, they've gone for somebody who has the reputation, the background. I, I think Willie Fritz has the ability to turn that program around, and as you mentioned earlier, to to create a much different culture. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably. One of the best hires, one of the smartest hires of of all that we've seen so far and not to be negative of any of the big name hires or anything. But knowing where Houston is, where things have been, not only in the recent past, but historically for Houston to make that kind of hire seems like a very, very smart hire by the, by the, uh, the administration there at Houston. A very, very good hire.
1: No doubt at all. Let's move over to the transfer portal, because not only are coaches moving from different schools, players are as well. And as we saw last year when the portal officially opened, it was incredible. The hundreds of players entered in and we're seeing the same thing this year, Darren. We've talked before about some of the more notable names, but but go through some of those again. Uh, What are you hearing about some of the more notable names and their possible destinations?
0: Well, you know, a few names, we, we talked last week about Will Rogers hitting hitting the portal, uh, which it, it was a surprise, but not a shock, I, I guess would be kind of the best way to 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 say that. You thought maybe he would finish his time there at Mississippi State, but with all the changes, you can't really blame him. Well, it now appears, because the portal officially opened uh, Monday, uh, today as we're recording, has officially opened where not only can you more than just declare you can be recruited basically and on day one which is no surprise with what will rogers has shown he is uh according to 24 7 sports which is kind of the the authority on, on transfer portal will rogers will now uh, finish his career at uh, washington he will be a husky uh from going from miss that's a well, that's got to be a little bit of a change, isn't it? Starksville and Washington, that's, that's going to be a little different. But, you know, with that style and, and everything, well, he can probably sling it all over the place and probably have some pretty incredible numbers, I would think. Uh, but an interesting move, nonetheless. It's not one I would have saw coming, truthfully. But, uh, one that you and I have talked about uh, over the process of the weekend and then, and then today before we started recording with Oklahoma. They have eight players now in, in the portal, and one of those is the name Dylan Gabriel. Uh, um, I would say, w- would you agree that's a, that's a surprising move uh, that, that he ended up in, in the transfer portal? I didn't. Maybe the same characteristics, Surprising but not shocking when you've got a change of coordinator and you've got a year of eligibility maybe that's the way you, in today's uh, atmosphere or your college football world you deal with it but Dylan Gabriel does not have a landing spot yet some might think that landing spot could end up being in Starkville we'll have to wait and see how that plays out that would kind of make sense but as of today he is in the uh portal of course, we talked about Max Johnson. You know,
1: going back to Dylan Gabriel, there were some signs. He he went through the the senior day presentations, right. okay. mm-hmm. so that was a sign. Maybe he's not coming back. He's moving on. And of course, uh, with Jeff Libby leaving, yeah, I think that was a big one. It. I don't think we understand what quarterbacks go through when they change offensive coordinators.
0: And, and, you know, that's a great point. And I think that the case in point of that is Will Rogers. I mean, everything Will Rogers had done in his college career, and it just did not translate. And it's not – he didn't all of a sudden forget how to throw football. He didn't all of a sudden stop understanding the game of football. It just didn't work. And so I guess when you see stuff like that and you're Dylan Gabriel, it's like, okay, no, I'm not going to – (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of quarterback changes with coordinators being changed and entire staff changing, Max Johnson, we talked about last week, started at LSU, transferred to A&M, has now transferred to North Carolina, uh, and will be there with Mac Brown. So, you know, that might end up being a system that works out well for him. You hope so. Uh, you know, he's transferred and all that stuff, but he seems to have kind of done it the right way uh, at every stop from everything you see. So, so good for him. Hopefully, that's a system that works for him.
1: Well, it's been a coaching change each time. He right. went well, to no, L- LSU. Coach O was there. Yep. Uh, Coach O leaves. Brian Kelly comes in. So, Johnson transfers. He goes to mm-hmm. AM. And then Jimbo gets fired at AM.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's maybe, it's
1: been a, not what you expect, and it kind of you know you kind of feel for him that he's gone two places and they've made major coaching changes.
0: And if I'm Mac Brown, I, I might not recruit him. <laughs>
1: He brings some juju with him. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'm saying if if I was Max Johnson, though, I would I'd want it in writing from Mac Brown. You are going to be here for at least two more years. Right. You cannot
0: retire again. You're going to be here for two more years. You and I are finishing this thing together. <laughs> right. and, and another notable name, uh, not a quarterback, but uh, yeah, London Humphreys um, at Vanderbilt, a freshman wide receiver, had a fantastic freshman year came out of nowhere. I mean people were excited about him but they didn't expect him to have the kind of year he had. and unfortunately when you're a Vanderbilt, you're bottom of the barrel, you've only won two games people can come along and pick off your players so he had enough a good enough year that he got the attention of Georgia uh, and as of Monday is a now a Georgia bulldog. Uh, Just a couple of other numbers to throw out just very quickly. Right now, as it stands, at time of recording, Vanderbilt has 16 players in the transfer portal, which is the most in the SEC. And South Carolina, interestingly enough, has 15 in the portal. And that's the second most of any team. And then uh, Arkansas and Kentucky uh, come in third with 11 each in the portal and what a difference it makes when you're playing in the college football playoff and you have a shot at a national championship. Texas has zero players (laughs) in the portal at some time of recording. It's amazing what a difference being in the playoff makes it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was surprised that A&M isn't up higher in terms of players in the portal.
0: See, they have, let me get my, they actually right now only have nine mm. in the portal, according to 24-7. So they're not even in double digits right now. Actually, Florida has more in the portal right now than AM does. Wow. So maybe that familiarity, I mean, and this is this is technically day one of the portal, so who knows, but maybe that familiarity with Mike Elko is going to have some, some positive end results. They, mm. They're getting a guy in that they're familiar with, and a lot of them were recruited by. So that might be making a difference.
1: Quite possibly. And, yep. and coaches now can almost, uh, I'm going to a new place. I'd like you to join me here. And this is the day and age of the transfer portal. Yep.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly right.
1: We want to stop now and congratulate Zach for uh, winning our CBS sports Pick'em challenge. Zach is our number one winner. Yes, so he yes, will yes. receive uh, the grand prize of a, all expenses paid vacation to Grand Cane, Louisiana. I was, <laughs> was going to say the, the Grand Cayman <laughs> Islands, but I stopped Grand Cane. Or, you know, if you want to go to Natchitoches, Rustin has some nice places. Uh, That's West where Monroe's. I was thinking, Ruston. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but congratulations to Zach. You have spared yep. us from Paul gloating for an entire offseason <laughs> that he won the challenge. So we appreciate
0: you. Zach. I will say for Paul, he made a run. He ended up only losing by one point, so it was a tight race at the top. Neither (laughs) one of us were a part of it, but it was a tight race at the top between Zach and Paul.
1: (laughs) Maybe they should host the podcast.
0: (laughs) Maybe we should let them pick next year, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's pause and go to this week in sports history. December 11th, 1938, the New York Giants face off against the Green Bay Packers in the 6th NFL Championship game. It was played at the Polo Grounds in New York City with an attendance of 48,120, a record crowd for a title game. After trailing by two points at halftime, Green Bay took the lead in the third quarter with a short field goal, but New York responded with a touchdown and held on through a scoreless fourth quarter to win 23-17. The victory earned each winning Giant player $504 and each Packard $368. Oh, thank you. Let's get right to the elephant in the room. Apologies to Florida State. (laughs) The college football playoffs have been announced, and the four teams that made the cut in the last year of this version of the playoff system, Mm -hmm. number one, Michigan, second seeded, Washington, third, Texas, and the surprise for some and the most controversial pick of the four, Alabama coming in at number four. Each one of these teams, their conference champion, Michigan, the Big Ten, Washington, the Pac-12, Texas, the Big 12, and Alabama, the SEC. However, the ACC champion, Florida State, who also finished the season undefeated, did not make the final four. And that's Mm -hmm. where we've seen a lot of opinions expressed, some in favor of the four that were chosen, but some saying that leaving Florida state out, what did Booger McFarland say? Is it travesty?
0: Right. So absolutely. we've seen,
1: we've seen strong language. And, and and so Darren, let's just jump right into the discussion. Uh, what are your thoughts about this?
0: Well, a couple of things. The The first thing that jumped out at me or, or jumped out to me is I, I was seeing it kind of happen. And then, you know, I was a, a few minutes behind and been able to get to the news. So I saw the news break kind of at the same time, the social media explosion (laughs) kind of happened. It was all kind of simultaneous for me watching it all happen. I I have, I don't have an issue with the concept of we're going to put the four best teams. And you have to be real about where each team is in this moment, not where they were and not where they were, mid, you know, not where they were at the start of the season, not where they were in midseason, but how are these teams playing today? So that concept, I don't have a problem with. I do, and this might be an SEC bias, I'll, I'll own up to that. I do have a problem with we're going to put the best four teams, but it just so happened that the best four teams were four of the five conference champions, and the number one team drop to number six because of one loss. I, I do have an issue with that. Uh I, I think Georgia honestly has just as legitimate of a beef as Florida State. My take has more of a beef <laughs> than Florida State that they should be one of the four teams in this. I, I don't you definitely can't the fact that Florida State was number five is just ahead of Georgia is just amazing to me. And I know that's not going to make Florida state fans happy, but there's just not a way you can justify that. There's nothing about that. That makes sense. And, And I do, I think Texas should send Georgia, you know, roses every day for the next year or something. Cause I, I don't, if Alabama doesn't be beat Georgia, and now the committee is sitting here saying, well, we're going to have to put Alabama in or we're going to put Alabama in because they're the SEC champion. We can't leave out the only team that beat, you know, the team that beat them this season. They've got to go, you know, they're going to go in too. I, I think if Georgia beats Alabama, Texas doesn't have a chance of being in. That's just just my take on it. I think they are in because they beat Alabama during the regular season and are still playing well. Uh, so that's – what I'll take a breath. I threw a lot out at one <laughs> one time. I, I, any thoughts on that, or, or kind of what what are your thoughts on it as well?
1: It's an unfortunate situation because you had five deserving teams, and you could argue six because, right? I agree, Darren. Georgia is still one of the top four teams in the, in, the, in the country. Uh, if you want to look at suspect schedules, uh, I mean, when you're playing. Pitt and Boston College and mm-hmm. Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. That's that's not impressive. Now, I yeah. think Florida State, kudos to them for, for playing LSU at the beginning of the year. And if you look at, at that game and what their defense did to the current front runner for the Heisman Trophy, it was uh-huh. it was the worst, if not the worst, near the worst offensive performance that LSU had all year. So a huge statement game and LSU had come into the season ranked number fifth at that time. So that was a huge game. But other than that, their top 20 victories, uh, they beat a Duke team at 16 that really fell off as the year went on. Uh, They beat um, a Louisville team ranked 14th, but I I believe that Louisville team lost to Pitt if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So there's some, there's some, some concerns there, but, The concerns about schedule, I could easily put on Michigan. Because basically, Michigan – Michigan play one tough game? I mean, if you want to count Penn State, but I'm not sure we can even put Penn State in the equation right now. Now, they finished, what, with two losses, and they're going to get an opportunity to play against Ole Miss in a bowl game. Mm -hmm. But really, um, so I'm so glad the Big Ten is doing away with this East-West championship. Because the West – Champion was 0 and 10 against mm-hmm. in, in these in the Big Ten championship game. It, it's a complete joke, and we saw that with Michigan yep. and Iowa. It was a, it was a complete joke, and a bar up in Iowa lost a whole lot of money because Iowa didn't score any points. <laughs> uh, so you could argue the schedule. And, and speaking of strength of schedule, if you want to put it in perspective, uh, the comparison between uh, the, the the playoff teams. Uh, Florida State has a strength of schedule fifty fifth in the country, Georgia thirty seventh. They didn't make it. Michigan thirty third. Uh, Texas thirteenth. Washington eleventh. Alabama fifth. Uh, so Alabama, you look. They lost it. They lost to Texas at home, but then they they beat a ranked Ole Miss team. They beat a ranked Tennessee team. They beat a ranked LSU team. They beat the number one team in the country, Georgia. So you consider all of those things and you you start putting together. And there's a lot more to this equation. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. No, 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 it's not fair. Uh, But this is a system that we have right now. By the way, the strength of schedule, I borrowed that from Matt Berry. So I want to make sure I give him credit for that. But Darren, you know who the real culprit in all this is? It's not, it's not the playoff selection committee. There is a level of dishonesty that Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, is 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 showcasing right now with his outrage. Because, mm-hmm. do you remember a time where there was something called the alliance?
0: Let's see that was a that was an alliance between the ACC and the Big Ten. Is that correct? And the Pac-12 <laughs> and
1: the Pac-12. Right, right, right. They were going to protect each other. They were, when OU and Texas announced they were moving the SEC, it sent ripples. So mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to protect us against uh, the, the SEC. Right. And of course, what ended up happening was the Big Ten poached teams from the Pac-12 and brought yeah. them into the Big Ten and basically destroyed the Pac-12. So, Absolutely. so basically they turned on each other and, you know, it's King Kong, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But they also, in February of 2022, when SEC was pushing for playoff expansion, this group, the alliance of which the ACC commissioner was a part, voted against expansion until 2024. Absolutely. We didn't have to be in this position. Nope. And he came back to to basically undermine his own conference and hurt Florida State and their opportunity to compete for a national mm-hmm. title. So you can be mad at the committee all that you want, but the fact is the ACC commissioner voted against playoff expansion. So let's, okay. let's do away with this. Outrage that he has over what's ha- how could anyone do that? You had the opportunity to vote for the expansion of the playoffs and mm-hmm. you didn't, and now it's costing the ACC championship or yep. the ACC champion Florida State.
0: And, and to throw away to throw around phrases like permanently damage the game. Well, uh, you know, to to your point, I would say that putting off a twelve team playoff for another year just for the the potential for what would be your own conference game, or at least that's what you thought you had in mind. Obviously not. It's not the way it worked out. To me, that takes a much greater risk of permanently damaging the game than, than, than people, the committee working within the system that you said was best. You wanted to hold on to it. So who damaged the game? The committee working within your system or you who demanded the system hang around for one more year? I mean, I, I hate it for the players. That's to me. That's the heartbreaking part of this. That's the most heartbreaking part of this. Is you've got guys that on the field did everything they could to do, but a playoff committee worked within the system that you, as an AD, demanded stay around. Yeah, man, I to As they say, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs>
1: we won't have this issue next year with the twelve teams, that's of right. course there will still be controversy with that team that's 13th looking from the outside in, <laughs> but not like this year. And it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I, do I think Alabama deserves to be there? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Do I think Florida state deserves to be there? Yes, I do. Do I think Georgia deserves to be there? Yes, I do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, is Washington deserving? Absolutely. Is Michigan deserving? Well, they won the big 10. They're they they're You know, they, they ran the table as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you had five conference champions in only four spots. Yep.
0: Which, you know, even a compromise, which we talked about this when all of this was going on uh, during the offseason. season, we talked about, even if, if you say, okay, we're not going to do a 12 let's br- this year or, or this coming year, let's bridge the gap. Let's say five conference champions and the highest ranked non-conference champion, you know, whoever the committee puts in six. Mm-hmm. It, that was a compromise that was talked about quite a bit. That still didn't didn't get any ground. People were going to hold their ground. We're going to do it this way, and we're you know because they everybody was afraid that the SEC was going to get two teams in or three teams in, whatever. Well, in your fear to make sure the SEC didn't get multiple teams in, which our belief is should have happened anyway. They should have two teams again this year with Georgia and Alabama you you kept your conference from from getting any teams in. So I don't I don't think that worked out.
1: Yeah, Darren, I think that's a great point you just made. Um it there w- what they did was a reaction to the SEC. Absolutely. And instead of looking out for their they thought they were looking out for their conference's mm-hmm. best interest, but in in reality they wound up hurting uh their conference. The Pac-12 and, and, is no more and the ACC champion just got locked out of the college football playoff.
0: And, you know, an interesting point in this whole thing is, is Texas and Oklahoma moving from the Big 12 over to the SEC is what created this freakout uh, among the, the, the Big 10, the ACC, and the, and the Pac-12. And when it came time to vote on this 12-team playoff, the, the Big 12 was on board. <laughs> They're the ones who had lost teams, major teams, and they were on board. So I, I find that a really interesting point as well, that the team that had the most reason to freak out was able to still see big picture and what would benefit them as a contra- conference going down the road, even without Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think that's an interesting point as well. Good stuff right
1: there. Uh, if you want to read more about this, Peter Burns, uh, Ross Dellinger, uh, is it Dan Woken from Yahoo Sports or yep. Wolkin? Yep. Um mm-hmm. Has some great stuff on this. I yes. encourage you to, to Google that and read what they have to say about the decision, the vote that the alliance made in February of 2022, and how it came back to to haunt them uh, this week. Oh. One of our friends who has chimed in on the whole college playoff scenario is Doug the Buckeye. Now, Darren, we've already said our piece on this, so that's right. Let's uh let's take a listen to see what a Big Ten fan has to say about
2: the college football playoff selection. Hey, it's Doug the Buckeye coming back to you once again this week. Appreciate the opportunity to come back and speak with you guys and kind of go back and forth. I really am coming to you to, uh, this week from sunny Florida, where there is actual weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth amongst our Florida State brethren and faithful. More about that in a second. I just want to touch base uh, real quick. And uh, thank you guys for empathizing with me last week and while I was licking my wounds and uh, having lost uh, the game. Appreciate your empathy there. Uh, One thing I want to um, bring up real quick before we move on to the um, four teams in the playoff. Uh, My point on uh, Walmart and Target was basically uh, one of a statistical analysis and probability. If If there's only 10 teams in football and one conference has nine teams, and one conference has one team. Statistically, it's more probab- probable that the, the conference with nine teams is going to win a championship. And uh, that's just always saying you have a bigger conference, you have more teams, there's more chances to win, even if one of those teams is Vanderbilt. On to the next oh. four teams in the college football playoffs. Man, what a mess. Um, I'm just going to kick off by. Uh, reading a quote from a friend of mine on social media um, concerning Oklahoma State and the Big 12 Championship. He said, Oklahoma State got their butt kicked so bad it convinced the playoff committee that Texas is better than Georgia, the defending <laughs> national champions, with 29 straight uh, wins before their one loss to Bama. Ouch! That's a tough, tough task. <laughs> it is a tough task indeed um, to come up with that. We have a mess. We have, a, we have five what we call power conferences and one of them is left out. Um, in my mind, Bama's already lost to Texas. Bama lost by to Texas by 10 points. That's not a, a small margin. That's a double d- digit victory. Um, is there an SEC bias in trying to get someone in there? Um, is Bama really a better team than Georgia? Who knows? Um, you know, Bama beat them, but Bama almost lost to Auburn. So, what do you do? If you're an FSU fan, I think you're pretty frustrated because we've been told all these years, just just win out, just win your games and you're in. Well, except when you win all your games and you're not in. Just win your conference championship and you're in, except when you win your conference sh- championship and, and you're not in. There's talk about the reason Florida State's not in there because they've got a hurt player. What Ohio State do when they beat Oregon with the third string quarterback? and for the national championship. And they beat Alabama with a third string quarterback in the national championship. That's why you play the game. You don't uh, make decisions based on they may or may not be good. The ones that are deserving should be there in my mind. Um, I would have picked, I would have uh, picked four state over Alabama because Alabama already lost to Texas. Um, and te- um, so that, that would have been my opinion um, bring on the 12-team 12, 12 playoffs. That's mm-hmm. what That's what it's all about. Have it settled on the field instead of debates like this. I'm sure we'll have debates like this going forward. <laughs> but have it settled on the field is my, is my idea. All right, quarterback transfers. Wow, what happened this morning? You got quarterbacks transferring all over the place. Um, how's that going to work out? Ohio State's got a quarterback who is young. Probably not as good as some of the quarterbacks they've had in the past, but they've been turning out quarterbacks. They've got a couple in the NFL right now. People are talking about CJ Stroud as being one of the best, uh, not just quarterbacks, but best players in the NFL. So these top programs have an ability to continue to churn out good quarterbacks. I think Devin Brown's probably going to take over the spot. I think it's going to be good. Wow. Also, um, Dylan from OU is in the quarterback transfer for portal or the, the transfer portal. Well, how'd that work out for the Heisman Trophy winner when he's followed his fraud of a coach out to USC five losses from the Heisman Trophy winner. I don't know, man. Um, but you look at Jalen hurts and some of these other, uh, QB's Joe Burrow transferred. I mean, they're doing well. They did well in college. They're doing well in the NFL. So, um, Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. My personal opinion is I don't like it. I don't like this microwave attitude that you get what you want right away. Um, If you leave one of the top programs in the country, I don't know, it's like a step down to go anywhere else. And uh, I don't know, I just don't, I think um, Kayla Williams and Lincoln Riley found that out that the grass is not always greener, worked out okay for Jalen Hurts. Worked out okay for Joe Bur- Burrow when he tra- transferred. Uh, I'm not too worried about the Buckeyes. They'll uh, get it done, and they'll get a, a good quarterback. Bring on the 12-team college football playoff. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Good talking to you, and go Buckeyes.
1: Thanks, Doug. We are with you on eagerly anticipating the 12-team playoff. But you've got You've got to slow down a little bit, Doug. We're in Louisiana. What is the statistical analysis and probability?
0: You lost me there, man. So, so he gave me a math lesson and then took a swipe at Vanderbilt on the way off the door. Is that the way you kind of saw that play out? <laughs> I think that there's some sort of beef going on between the two of you. Well, I don't know if there's a beef, but I can tell you this. I rescind my empathy from last week. I'll tell you (laughs) that.
1: Rescind empathy. Wow. Statistical analysis, rescinding empathy. I'm in the wrong place right now.
0: It's getting out of control. (laughs) I'm just here to
1: talk about football. Who wins, who loses. But so anyway, in the future, Doug, if you're going to go into statistics like that, Please uh, talk a little slower. I appreciate it
0: <laughs> greatly. <laughs>
1: we all feel like the system's broken and somebody was going to pay the price. And do we simply look at wins and losses? That's the question. Mm-hmm. We, we've already talked about strength of schedule. We've already talked about other extenuating factors and either the folks in Florida state and Tallahassee or the folks in Tuscaloosa, were going to lose their minds. The folks in Athens already have, you know, you run the table 29 wins in a row and you get one loss, your final game of the year, the conference championship, and it knocks you out of the playoffs. It, it's, yeah. it's a flawed system. We recognize that. And certainly uh, we wish that uh, we had a 12 team playoff this year in that Florida state and Georgia were both in that group.
0: Absolutely, and, and you know it's inevitable. One of the things we didn't talk about earlier that I, I think we have to at least throw out there: it's inevitable that conferences are going to be judged when only four out of five conference champions can make it. Even if that's your scenario where you've got you're considering all, there has to at some point, if if that's the if that's the number you have to work with, we can only let four in. There has to be a judgment of conferences somewhere along the way for the playoff committee because that's the only way you, you make that decision. Let's say if they're all undefeated, you got to decide who's undefeated carries the most weight. And, and and I people are upset and saying, well, you can't blame them for being in the ACC. Well, that's the only criteria you really have at this point is, is strength of schedule and who you played. Now, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's inevitable that that's the way it's going to happen when only four out of five can get in. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I think Doug said it best, bring on the 12-team playoff. Absolutely. Now, in our second uh, episode that will be released on Thursday of this week, we're going to break down the SEC Bowl games. So if you're wondering why we didn't talk about those games now, we're saving that for our Thursday episode, so be watching for that. Before that, though, we want to let you know that we are doing the ESPN Bowl Mania again this year, and we'd love you to participate in making those bowl game picks. Darren, how how does someone go about getting involved with that?
0: Well, it'll be on our social media. It'll be on our link tree. But also, most importantly, ta-da, it will be in the comment or in the video description below, not only on this week's episode or, or today's episode, but also on our second episode where we talk about the bowl Look specifically at SEC Bowls. It will be on that. And going forward, as we go through, because I think it's two weeks until bowl games start. So, over the next couple of weeks, anything we do or put out, that that, uh, link will be uh, in the uh, video description below. And also, even if you're listening to this, whether it be on Spotify, iTunes, whatever, show notes, you know, if you just click on show more it'll be there as well. And you can click on that and go right to it. Even if you're on your mobile device, if you have the ESPN app, it'll go right to it and you can join it.
1: Perfect. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Yes. Thank you again for watching another episode of the Bruin Shaver sports podcast. New episodes drop every Tuesday at 6am. You can listen whenever you want, or you can watch us on YouTube at your convenience. We appreciate your support. Remember mm-hmm. like subscribe, subscribe, comment we're trying to get to 50 subscribers we're at 45 right now we'd love you to be number 50 so yes until next week y'all take care thank you for making the brew and shaver sports podcast your go-to sports show be sure to subscribe rate and review our show if you haven't already your feedback is so important Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or a text to our text line, 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. See you next week.